Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the People of Packaging podcast. I am your host, the packaging pastor, Adam Peak. You can find me on TikTok at Packaging Pastor. Really connect up with me on LinkedIn as well. I love, I love hanging out on LinkedIn. So you can find me Adam Peak, P-E-E-K. Want to give a quick shout out here to a our longtime sponsor, Specright, S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T. Go to specright.com. Join them as they help create a world without waste. Listen, EPR laws are coming in hot, coming in hot. And you need to get control of your packaging specification data, really all of your specification data. And Specrite is there for you. Once again, that's specrite.com. S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T.com. I'm very excited. We're so close to bringing on another key sponsor here for the podcast. I can't announce it on this one, but for the next one, I will be able to talk about that relationship. I'm super stoked. I'm super stoked for that one. Uh, but until then... Let's get to this episode. All right. Hey, everyone. We're back here with another episode of the People of Packaging podcast. And I am delighted to be joined here live from his garage uh, from uh, San Francisco. Is that right? Is that where I, live, I live in Oakland, but close enough. Yeah. Uh, Oakland is decidedly different than... Uh, in San Francisco, one of the best uh, chicken and waffle restaurants I've ever been to. Actually, was which it one? I think it was just called chi- like chicken and waffles. There's the, is it Gus? Gus's famous. There's Gus's famous. There's a new good one called Cowbird. That if you haven't checked out and you're in Oakland, you should definitely check it out. Nah, this was. This was. I actually got to go out and uh, uh, meet Steph Curry at one of his camps with my son. Uh, when this was five or six years ago. No, before that, maybe seven years ago. I don't remember. But there was just a chicken and waffle spot that we went to. It was right by Jason Kidd's old high school. That's all I know. It was <laughs> amazingly delicious. Uh, it was like it was like non-gentrified chicken and waffles. Nice. Um, it was so, super good. So it's the best uh, kind of chicken and waffles. Best kind of chicken and waffles. <laughs> uh, but the voice you hear delighting you with chicken waffle sounds is Apurba Pradhan and he is the head of product and marketing at Everest Labs and I really believe in my whole heart that you are going to hear him first on the People of Packaging podcast and then second (laughs) on the Sustainable Packaging podcast with Corey Cotters which you should totally listen to as well because his podcast is awesome but uh, Apurba thanks so much for coming on uh, coming on the show. Thanks. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to the discussion. It's already been funny and in, and interesting, and the mics haven't even started to sell. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, hey, listen, I had to kick it off with basketball because I know that you're super into Allen Iverson and everything that AI can do. I, I'm really fascinated to find out his role in recycling, and is it like, how are we going to cross over? Um, <laughs> from from the from the old recycling to the new i'm not really sure what his role is going to be is he going to step over the Tehran lu i don't know if any of these references mean anything to you but somebody out there they do that that's awesome you must have been thinking about this you couldn't have made that up right now i made it up right now i just i have no look i have no no i have your name (laughs) that's all my notes 
That's awesome. We have nothing to do with AI, but if he wanted to invest in our company, he should get in touch with us because he'll make a lot of money at some point. All right, I got, I got some, <laughs> I got some connections. Uh, yeah, so we're gonna dig into all the cool stuff around what you're doing at Everest Labs. But uh, first, you live in Oakland. Uh, we know that already. Uh, we know your name. We know your title. Before the show, I learned that uh, you are uh, Nepalese from Correct. Nepal. Correct. Um, so maybe just talk a little bit about your journey. Uh, growing up, you know, growing up in Kathmandu and then coming over here to the U.S. and how you ended up in artificial intelligence, not Alan Iverson. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, thanks. Um, I actually asked somebody yesterday about uh, their background and they were like, well, I, I started as a paper boy and I was like, whoa, this is going far back. Uh, you asked me to go even further back than that. So, yeah, I, I, I was born in Nepal, grew up there most of my life. Um, but then I went to high school in India, uh, a boarding school in India, and it was an international school. So uh, one of the guidance counselors there were like, hey, you should check out the U.S. And that's how I ended up in the U.S. Uh, I studied engineering. Uh, and then uh, California was the place to go. Um, you know, I uh, worked in, Cal in tech in and around uh, the Silicon Valley here for the last 20 years or so. Uh, mostly working in industries that are related to industrial and infrastructure um, type of uh, markets. Uh, so I've worked a bunch in industrial automation, building automation, smart cities, uh, and have been working in recycling now for the past six months, which I find extremely fascinating. You know, like it, before I, my friends would ask me like what I did uh, and I'd try to explain to them, you know, the little gadget that we'd be working on or something. And it was like, you know, like it's like nobody got it and nobody cared. But now I tell people they're like, that's the coolest thing. And so it's it's awesome. I've learned a lot about this industry in the last six months. It's super fascinating. So, you know, anything I can share with you on that on this podcast as it relates to packaging, I'm happy to do it. Can't wait. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to kind of go back into your story here. I've had I've had a few people on from India, as I mentioned before the call, I was my one time in Nepal when I learned that Remind me what that I, I thought it was a Takadopi. What was the hat called again? Takadopi. Taka? Da. D H A K A. Taka. It's the type of fabric. Daka Topi. Topi. Topi is a hat. Yeah, it kind of looks okay. like a fez without the without the without the long strings. Yeah, it's this, right? it's this cool hat. I still have it. I've worn it snowboarding before. Uh, but I learned that if you wear that uh, it around it, through the Kathmandu airport, you can do almost anything. Everyone just waves you on. It's okay. It's okay. You yeah. can. Uh, Known but, fact that no one looks good in those adakatopis. So, you know. Oh, challenge accepted. <laughs> I'll send you a photo. I am a. Uh, it's the only time I've ever looked good, actually. Okay. Is, is it like one of those? <laughs> uh, so, so where did you? So you went. So you grew up in in Nepal, and then you you said you went to a boarding school for all of high school in India. Yeah, 10th grade onwards, uh, I went to a boarding school in uh, a place called Missouri, India, northern part of India, Foothills. Okay. Um, and yeah, lot, you know, boarding schools are kind of a common thing in India, Nepal, like, edu you know, like people, especially in Nepal, there aren't great schools in, in Nepal at sort of the high school level, but India has a ton of really great schools. So, uh, you know, a lot of people in Nepal send their kids to boarding schools in India. Uh, so it's a thing. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. Uh, and then, you know, you, you made your way over here to the U.S. and and the rest is history. Your background, though, is is primarily you were described is primarily in in 
tech, right, in and around in and around um, Silicon Valley. I almost said Silicon Slopes because I live in Salt Lake City, which they're that we self-branded the Silicon Slopes. Yeah. Um, so what is it about maybe your background that you felt six months ago was like, this is I, I'm I'm perfectly fit to take over this role and help take Everest Labs where they need to go. Yeah, good question. I, I, you know, I don't have a great answer for that, except that I'd say what I do now is less about sort of, you know, what, how much you know about the technology and more about, you know, how much you know about what um, people are telling you or how much you can listen to, listen to about what people are telling you and to try to figure out how you can sort of merge um, sort of, you know, what, what people are telling you they need with what you actually are building. Uh, so, so I, you know, my, my background is in product, you know, most of the time I, I listen, uh, and, you know, we, we work in recycling, but, you know, recycling is influenced by a lot of different areas, right? Obviously packaging industry, the circular economy, you know, the supply chain around all of that, you know, people creating policies around recycling, people creating policies around sort of producer responsibility, all of those things impact how, you know, what's happening in recycling. So. Most of my time, I just listen at this point um, and try to understand where you know things are going. Uh, I have a good idea of sort of the technology and the solutions that our company builds, but obviously there are people in the company who know what, the, what we build a lot more than I do, like the engineers. Um, and so I try to listen to them as well and try to bring those two stories together, right? What we have the capability, what are we really good at versus what other people are saying and talking about. Um, so yeah, I feel like that's my job. Not really, you know, not, not really to be sort of, you know, a technologist or, or an engineer or anything like that, but just to really sort of marry the, the direction where things are going with people who know what they're talking about. Okay. Can you give me like 20, 30 seconds real quickly? So if you don't know this, I work at this awesome company called Myers, M-E-Y-E-R-S.com. We've just gone through this great rebrand, really focusing in on the things that we are passionate about. And one of them is being able to communicate and share about sustainability and packaging. So I have partnered up with Rachel and Michael, and we have a free ebook for you to download. Uh, you can go to Myers.com and search for it. Or if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to have a link down low in the show notes. Click it, fill in some information, and boom, you get this tremendous resource. It's a free ebook. Go check it out, Myers.com, or click the link down below. Let's get back to the interview. I love it. And so let's hang out on that answer here for a quick second. So you're spending a lot of time listening to both the call the your your customers or the consumers or these government agencies or whatever it is so you're gathering data there and then you're listening you're taking that back and you're listening to engineers on um you know what it is that that uh that everest can do so where are you at today in terms of you know either what you've built or what are you what are you as a company doing to meet the needs of all these different stakeholders in the recycling space yeah great question so um I'll tell you where we are, uh, and you know, I, we can talk about what, what we want to do and where we want to go as well. Um, where we are is, you know, the company started about five years ago, 2018. For the first three years, you know, uh, they, they were heads down, closed doors, trying to figure out how AI and robotics can work together for recycling, 
helping with uh, recycling uh, what they call MRFs, material recovery facilities, recycle, uh, recover better. Um, and uh, we launched a product about a year, a little bit over a year ago, uh, that's been quietly gaining a lot of traction with MRFs. Uh, so that's where we are. That's our bread and butter is we sell a solution that incorporates AI and robotics uh, and we deploy them at MRFs. And the whole idea is to provide them with data and intelligence about how their uh, operations are running, uh, but also help them recover. So automate the whole recovery process because the recovery process in MRFs are fairly inefficient. And at the end of the day, there are people standing at the end of these lines that are cleaning up what's supposed to be clean streams of commodity that are going into the recycling supply chain. But there are people standing there because the equipment that they use are it's sort of semi-imprecise, right? And you, there's sort of quality levels that when uh, a MRF sells aluminum cans, for example, or PET bottles, there's a level of expectation around how pure that is. Uh, and it, as it comes out of these lines, it's not that pure. So there are people doing this sorting. Uh, and so we basically propose replacing that with uh, AI and robotics Got it. Um, and you know the robotics you know they're they're you know they don't tire they work 24 7 uh, you can program them to do various you know things um, you can they can work with people or you know replace um, manual sorting um, and then you know all of the data that we're gathering from the AI uh, basically around object by object what's passing through this facility at every station of this facility helps them make better decisions around you know equipment optimization, maintenance, things like that. So that's our better bread and butter. That's where we are. We are, uh, you know, working with all the MRFs um, that that have an interest in this to to get this um, get this capability installed. Uh, where we are looking to go is, you know, the 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 value that the data brings, uh, not just to the operations for the MRFs, but, you know, to people who are designing packaging for the producers that are manufacturing these packaging for policy organizations that are trying to figure out what to do with, you know, recycling policies and producer responsibilities. And so that's kind of like the, the part that we're sort of looking forward into. Got it. So let me just, I'm going to ask, I don't know if it's a dumb question or not, but so I've, I've been I've been to a Murph here in Utah, and the the guy who's giving me the tour is named Bo Peck, and Bo's awesome. Bo's on Avelio's podcast. He's a tremendous resource for recycling, and it was it was very enlightening to me to hear him say things like, "We don't like having consumer." Um, like consumer streams coming in. They're very low value for us. Industrial streams, he even said rural communities do a really nice job because the collection spots are sort of like community gathering places and he went through all of that. So so let's say that somebody does have these sort of mucked up and muddied commercial, or I'm sorry, uh, consumer streams like from my neighborhood. Right? Like we, have, we have curbside recycling. And I'm sure that I am a lot more attentive to recycling than most people are. And so are, are when, when these items come through the MRF, you're saying they, they, have, they already have some of their sorting and some of their optical sorting and whatnot. Are you doing the optical sorting or are you saying we're at the end of the line 
and we're doing the last minute cleanup of these lines or is it a little bit of both? I'm trying to figure out where you play in that. Yeah, let me, let me give you a picture of what it what it's like in most Murphs, right? And and there's a lot of these guys. There are a lot of these facilities. There's I think like out of the medium and big bigger Murphs, there might be like four to five hundred in the country. Out of sort of the small small Murphs, there's probably a thousand in this country. So it's a pretty fragmented uh, market, and a lot of them are focused obviously in like urban areas or populated areas of the country. A lot of the rural areas actually are not served by by MRFs just because it's not economical. But what happens is you get all of this household, commercial, industrial, maybe not so much industrial, household, commercial um, uh, gets picked up, gets put into a huge you know, floor, uh, sometimes covered, sometimes not. You know, and there's, a, there's sort of a bulldozer that takes these things and puts it onto a conveyor system. Uh, and the conveyor system is moving and it goes through a whole host of sort of separation techniques. Uh, and there's like, you know, probably half a dozen separation techniques that most of these uh, facilities use. So first is people. So people are standing there removing like dangerous big objects out of the uh, out of the conveyor system that could jam up, you know, the equipment down the line. By the way, I asked somebody what was the craziest thing they've pulled out of the front end of this process. Yeah. What, what, have you ever asked the Murph what it is? I've heard, I, uh, yeah, I can tell you a couple that I heard that were pretty Mine, crazy. the craziest one I heard was a car transmission. Somebody put their car oh. transmission in the recycling. <laughs> I, I haven't heard that. I've heard guns. Um, I've seen lots of diapers. I mean, like some, somebody yeah. was up there putting diapers in recycling bins, uh, all kinds of stuff. Like you see, like, I've seen like baby strollers, you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, well, it's a problem because people honestly, like I, I, I interact with them on TikTok a lot. And I get a lot of people who just say, "It's I pay for the service. It's their job to to filter yeah. it out." So I just, I mean, one guy said, "I fill up the recycle bin first with my trash, and then I fill up my trash with my trash." And I'm like, "Yeah, yes. yeah. some of this, some of this stuff kind of backfires, you know, like, you know, like now where I live, the recycling bin is much bigger than the the the, the trash bin, and you know, yeah, I run out of space in the trash bin, and I don't put it, I put, I don't put my trash in the recycling, but I can see that." might incent people like you you started off saying hey let's recycle more so give give them a bigger bin but you know you're kind of creating a, pro a problem for yourself down down the road right yeah um, anyway i've heard guns uh, yeah a bunch of things but um you know these and these are like hard you know companies or organizations or you know things to run right like murph is a kind of a you know a, a public private partnership they win contracts off muni so they're not like extremely profitable businesses where they can invest a bunch of money um, you know, and, and they're also, you know, beholden to sort of recycling rates and audits and things like that, that they have to, you know, do as a part of their uh, contracts. Um, it's not like they have a lot of flexibility to, to, you know, invest a whole lot of money and, and resources into sort of optimization, which is what we're kind of finding. Uh, but, you know, they do the best job that they can. So these crude sort of industrial systems like there's like they, they call it a, a screen it's just a rotating disc a bunch of rotating discs at an angle and basically the flat stuff goes up like cardboard and then the round stuff falls down and then goes down another track right and then the, yeah. that gets crushed and glass falls through and like you know and then it goes and then now you've got like aluminum and plastics and and waste and there's this 
this magnetic, you know, they call it eddy current machine, like, like the magnetic stuff just pops out to another conveyor system and everything else goes through. The most sophisticated piece of equipment they'll have is what you mentioned, an optical sorter, which is, you know, kind of doing a spectral scan and then using air jets to like push different types of plastic or aluminum into different conveyor systems where you can see like if a balloon and bottle has liquid in it, it's going to push and it's not going to move that far as it might if it's a, you know, kind of a, a, a empty. A so there's all these variances and what you end up with is sort of a contaminated line of semi, you know, you know, sort of PET line with mostly PET, but lots of other stuff. You know, HTTP line with mostly HTTP, but lots of other stuff, paper lines, same like that. And at the end of these, there are people sort of doing this job. And I think during COVID, it was really a crisis. They couldn't fill these jobs. I think right. that's gotten better. It's still a labor uh, you know, problem. Uh, it's not a crisis as per se. But, you know, these are hard jobs. Like you're standing over a conveyor system with gloves on, pulling out, you know, trash basically, right? And you know, I've tried doing this. Like I stand in, on, on, on these conveyor belts and I'm looking down the line and like, I get like, it's like vertigo. I get dizzy. Like I'm standing still. I'm, I, I'm moving. I mean, the conveyor systems looks like it's standing still. I feel like I'm moving, you know, like, yeah. and I can't imagine that people do this, you know, eight hours a day, you know, doing this. And a lot of plants are two shift plants. So that, you know, it's like, it's hard to find people to put in these things. So we said, we, we propose an automated solution where, you know, we put uh, a vision system, basically a, a, a camera, a 3d camera, it's two cameras basically create a you know, stereoscopic image of the, the recycling stream that's going underneath it. Uh, a very sophisticated AI that can detect, you know, objects, uh, recyclable objects, and then, you know, kind of a nice control algorithm that goes to the robotics and the robotics are then, then you know, programmed to pick the things that you're interested in picking, right? And so there's, there's a lot of value to that. Uh, yeah. So like, you know, there's a lot of, skepticism uh, and there's a lot of sort of like hey this is the first time i'm hearing about this or this is the first time i'm trying it you know how do i know this is going to work kind of a thing that we have to overcome as well uh but yeah slowly by slowly but surely we're making progress and i'd say like you know we're, we're in the early part of this journey right like we're you know maybe 10 percent penetrated maybe maybe somewhere somewhere less than 10 percent penetrated in terms of how automated these systems can be so most of the time you said where, where are we and what do we do that's what we do we go okay. to work we, we educate them on what's possible you know we, we select locations where it's ideal for them we're having the most problems sorting and we put our robotics and business systems um to, to help them do their jobs and if there's anyone listening hopefully there are who works at a murph i heard this fascinating uh economist uh, I think it was Alan Bolu. I'd have to look up his name again. He was at TLMI. He was great, um, which is the Tag and Label Manufacturers Institute, their converter meeting. And he was kind of giving an economic outlook. And he said, listen, if I were you, 2023 and 2024, I'm not, I'm not making the, he said, I would invest in automation because money is still going to be relatively inexpensive to borrow. Um, not his, not over the last, you know, five years, it's going to be more expensive than that, but historically it's still going to be pretty inexpensive to borrow and you're going to have to invest in automation because the jobs just won't be there. He's like, there's, there's an aging workforce. Um, there's not a lot of people who are filling in, um, a lot of those jobs and you're going to have to invest in automation. And it seems to me that what you're describing 
And by the way, we didn't talk about this beforehand. This isn't like some commercial that I'm trying to throw out there for Everisla. This was true. And just as you were talking, I was thinking about this job of like, you, you, you sit there at the end and, and you, are, you are pulling, you're just trying to identify trash. First of all, it doesn't sound like a great job. And second of all, so it's hard to fill. And second of all, it, it's, it's probably pretty imperfect. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to catch everything. They're not going to see everything. Whereas that's what AI is built for. That's what robotics are built for is to work 24 seven and have much with much greater efficiencies. Is that kind of the, I don't know, we'll call it like the sales pitch, but that's, that's exactly the sales pitch. I mean, basically, you know, I think that, you know, if, if I'm timing somebody and I'm watching somebody and saying, go, okay, pick as many aluminum cans out of the stream as possible, you know, that person probably keep up with the robotics for a little while, but you know, over a course of an eight hour day, like that's a hard job. Right. Um, so, you know, the AI and robotics are designed to run 24 seven, um, you know, do this without sort of, um, sort of lagging performance and all that. We've added one more step to that, which is, you know, monitoring and performance guarantees. So we know that, you know, like the whole premise for using AI and robotics is to reduce their reliance on, you know, sort of, you know, people, right? So there's not a lot of extra hands in, in a MRF. Um, and so we also know that, you know, they don't have the staff and the technicians and all who can sort of manage fleets of robotics, right? So it's kind of like, hey, I, I like it, what I'm hearing, but like, how am I going to do this? Uh, so one of the layers on top of that we've added is 24-7 monitoring and performance guarantee. So we actually lease our, our systems um, and we we basically monitor the performance, make sure that it's hitting a minimum threshold uh, that's in our contracts that guarantee a certain number of picks per minute, um, certain number of so a certain amount of efficiency uh, in that in that line. Um, and any anything that goes wrong or if any any performance is is lagging, then we have actually people uh, looking at what's going on, recommending what the uh, the MRF operator should do. If it's something a little bit more complicated than what they can do, like change a suction cup or you know turn you know uh, open a, open a, a valve or something like that, um, it's you know we we send our staff out to do it. So it's basically a full service robotics that that we provide. Just, just and we've had to do that just because you know there's a whole you know we have to get the market over over a hurdle of trusting ai and robotics to do this job right yeah yeah and, and i'm sure it's going to be like anything <clears throat> hopefully hopefully it, stuff like this happens sooner rather than later because i know that the the demand for po good post-consumer recycled content is there yeah. It's the supply that's lacking, but the, the infeed is not lacking. So we have the materials to create the demand. It's just that the process by which to get there is is still evolving. We still haven't really quite recovered from the, the Chinese national sword policy in the U.S. So we're still trying to invest and figure that out for sure. And, no. you know, I, I know for sure I'm I'm grateful for, you know, for companies like yourself and and others who are really stepping up and taking cool things and taking cool, smart people, certainly people smarter than me, and saying, hey, welcome to the recycling industry. <laughs> Let's figure this out together. I think it's wonderful. Yeah, there, definitely what you said about demand, right? Like the trend is up, right? Like there's a lot of moving parts to this whole thing, but the trend is up. Um, like like you said, like the, the, the national sword policy. I mean, I feel like 
you know, when I look at this industry, I'm, I haven't been around it for five years, but when I look at it, it's like, you know, the, it's just kind of like forming because that whole, you know, that not being able to export bad quality recyclables and having to deal with it, uh, you know, in the country has, is creating a whole new industry. Right. So right. It's, and then this industry is like five years old. If you think about it, it started in 2018. So things are, things are shaping up and policy shaping up, you know, people are starting to think about how, you know, and like you said, the, the demand for high quality recyclable material is there. And so how do you get it to be high quality, right? Like you need, you need, you know, automation and you need, you know, sort of, you know, QC quality control at the, at the end of these, in the, at the end of these uh, facilities to do that. Um, so the demand is there, um, demand is growing and, you know, we, we are one part of the solution. You know, there's, I think there's probably lots of different solutions, but yeah, I mean, I think like, you know, like I was, I was at a trade show and I was, I was like blown away. I was talking to somebody, uh, they're coming from India, they're buying stuff here, right? They're buying, you know, sort of mid-grade, high-grade high plastics because they can't get it in India, shipping it back, processing it there, shipping it back here to meet the demand. Now, if there's enough money in the supply chain to do that, you know, like I didn't ask him the, you know, the nickel, the, you know, the nickel and dime of his business, how much profit he's making or anything. But, you know, he seemed like a fairly wealthy guy running a big shop. <laughs> like if there's enough profit to do that, like there is, you know, you know, the, 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 this can, this can be economical, especially when you put automation into the, into the step where, you know, the investments aren't that big, quite frankly, people are actually shocked by that. Like when we talk to our customers, we talk about our business model and how we sell, you know, it's like, hey, I, I didn't realize this was like, you know, wasn't going to cost me that much, right? We, we try to take this like as a service model. So we, we price our solution. It's all inclusive. You get everything and, and you can be like ROI positive in a couple of months because, you know, yeah. basically replacing labor um, that and, and especially if you're running like a two shift plant, like, you know, you know, month one, you can be like ROI positive. And it's like surprising to a lot of people that automation can be affordable right so yeah i get it i mean that's i'll just i'll just ask the question for you uh what are you waiting for everyone needs to contact apurva and uh find out more about what they're doing at everest labs uh i'm uh i'm excited to have had you on the on the show here and want to leave it with how do people get in touch with you who need to hear more a one month roi two month roi is insane uh, and so I hope that I hope that uh, this message can get out to more and more uh, people who are working at Murphs, uh, not only here, but this is an international podcast. At one point, we were the number one career podcast in El Salvador. So if you're working for a Murph in El Salvador, first of all, thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> but you need to you need to reach out and get this stuff going on. Uh, so uh, Apoorba, how do people uh, connect with you? Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, best way is an email, like seems like. Um, people can find me on email pretty easily. I get like lots and lots of people who don't, I don't want finding me on email, finding me on email. So <laughs> I want you guys to find me on email. Uh, so my, my, my first name, so that's one of the benefits of working on a, in a smaller company is I can have an email address with just my first name. So it's aporba at everestlabs.ai. So it's A-P-U-R-B-A uh, at everestlabs.ai. But, you know, more than that, uh, check out our website. We've got some awesome videos there of, of these systems working. You know, you, it, one of the things we have to always tell people is like, this is not like, you know, lab experiments. We have production sites, 
Uh, we're doing, you know, processing, you know, billions of materials. Uh, we did last year, you know, we identified like a couple of billion objects. We picked hundreds of millions of objects. This is not a, this is not a lab thing. Check it out. And so we've got some awesome videos there for people to check out as well. And, and you know, if you, if you see something that you like and then you want to talk, definitely shoot me an email. Awesome. Well, everyone go check out everestlabs.aieverestlabs.ai. Not to be confused with Alan Iverson. It actually stands for Artificial Intelligence. I know everyone was really waiting for that for me to pull the pull the podcast interview all the way together. But uh, Apoorba, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Love what you're doing and can't wait to follow follow the journey. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. Uh, You have a great weekend. Good talking to you. You too. Bye. Hey, congrats. You made it to the end of the podcast. If you're looking for more great podcast material in the packaging industry, please check out Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors and the newly redesigned Package Unboxed with Avelio Matos. Go find them wherever you listened to this podcast. Thanks, everybody.